0: Well, man, um, gosh, there's a lot of y'all this morning. Y'all hadn't all been coming to church now. It's good to see you, but y'all ain't all been coming to church. It's good to have you back. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm glad you're here. Whether you've been here or not, I'm glad you're here. If it's your first time visiting, man, we're just picking on you. We're glad that you are here, glad you're a part of our church. And got an exciting topic to talk about today. One, you don't hear preached in the United Methodist Church very much. At least I never heard it preached when I was growing up. Maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe not. Maybe people are just scared. But today, we're going to talk about the rapture. Talk about the rapture. Now, when I say the word rapture, I know that's a trigger word. That's a theological trigger word. Gets everybody upset. When you talk about the rapture, people think about certain types of preachers. They think about certain types of churches. When I think about the rapture, I think about the Left Behind series. Y'all remember the Left Behind series where they made the books, and they were real cheesy. I remember I started reading one. I never finished the one because I didn't like it. It was just because I was young and had other things to do. But I did read the book. I started reading it and then they made it into a movie series and it kind of scared the bejesus out of you. And we're going to talk about kind of the truth of some of that and and what the Bible really says about it. Um, I'll I'll tell you why we're going to talk about this today. It's not just a random topic. Uh, It's because we just entered into the season of Advent. And when you enter into the season of Advent, and we light these candles. Advent means arrival. So what we're doing is we're talking about the arrival of Jesus. We're talking about the arrival of Jesus the first time when he came into the world as a baby. Um, But we're also talking about the the second time, his second coming. Uh, The Bible says that Jesus is going to come back. It's not just that he came the first time, but he's actually coming back to take us to be where he is. And so the scripture today, if any scripture lends itself to the rapture and to this idea uh, that we're going to talk about, it's definitely this scripture. It fits into the narrative of his return and the taking of his people with him. So let's jump right in. Uh, there's a lot to cover, and then we're going to celebrate communion together. So I'm going I'm to talk fast um, today, as I, as I usually do. So... Um, first of all, let's talk about what is the, the rapture. What does the word rapture mean? Well, by definition, the word rapture means the carrying of a person to another place or to a sphere of existence. So I don't know how many of y'all uh, watched Star Trek growing up. If you're my age, you might watch Star Trek. I remember, you, you know, they're always like, beam me up, Scotty, and then Scotty would beam them up. And they'd go from one place to another. That's kind of the definition of rapture, means from taking from one place to another. Now, for Christians, this idea is really um, that Jesus will return, and when he returns, he'll actually take the believers who are on earth, and he'll separate them from the unbelievers, and so the believers will actually be taken to heaven all of a sudden, and the unbelievers will be left on earth. Now... There's a lot to that discussion and exactly how it happens. You may have heard words like dispensationalist or post-millennialist or premillennialist, millennialist or post-malone, I'm kidding, or post-tribulation or, or, or pre-tribulation. And we'll talk about all those things um, a, as we move along. But, but once again, I'll emphasize, I didn't have exposure to this growing up. Nobody taught me about this. Nobody taught me about the theology. Nobody really talked about Jesus' return, just kind of went to church, had a feel-good message. And, you know, we, we just didn't talk about what the Bible actually says. Um, And it's important for you to know, there might be a reason that John Wesley didn't actually, who's the founder of Methodism, by the way, might be a reason that he didn't talk about the rapture because the word rapture actually wasn't created until the 19th century. So that that word, um, it was not ever used by Wesley, but it's not like he didn't talk about the concept of the rapture. It's kind of like Jesus didn't use the word rapture but we're going to see today that he talked a lot about the concept of the, of the rapture. Wesley actually preached a good bit if you read his sermons, which you kind of got to get back in that language that they used back then. He preached a lot about the rapture, about judgment, and about hell. And it's really interesting if you watch the Methodist Church today and if you watch Methodist pastors, you just don't hear Methodist pastors talk about those things unless you come here. But you don't hear those things talked about much. And it's really weird to me that the foundation of our denomination was built on preaching about judgment and and hell and wrath and the return of Jesus and goodness and grace and mercy. And we just hear a lot of talking about the goodness and grace and mercy, but not about the judgment and the wrath and about hell. And no pastor ever wants to just talk about hell. It's not like it's fun. It's kind of like, does a doctor want to talk about cancer? No doctor wants to talk about cancer, but if you don't talk about cancer, you can't diagnose people with it, and you can't heal them. You can't heal the church if you don't preach about hell. You can't heal it. You can't bring healing because hell is what Jesus came to save us from. So it's really important that we talk about what the Bible actually says. I didn't know I was going to get that worked up at the beginning of the sermon. I usually wait till the end to do that, but... So, his words today give us an indication um, that he is returning, and when he does, some strange things will happen. So, I'm just going to break down the scripture. I, I, I'm not reading it all at the top. The scripture is from Matthew 24, 36 through 44. It's Matthew 24, 36 through 44 is where I'm gonna, um, is, is what I'm working with today. So, let's start with this. We're going break it, to break it down. And the first, uh, number one, Jesus will return. So the Bible's crystal clear that Jesus is coming back. There are multiple places in the New Testament that tell us that Jesus is coming back. It would be a very sad day if we found out that Jesus was not coming back. That he came, he kind of did what he needed to do, and he's like, peace, y'all have fun. I'm going back to my father. Good luck. You'll die. I did what I need to do. And everybody would be like, well, what's the point? So the Bible's very clear that he's coming back. I'm going to read you some scriptures that tell us that. John 14, 1 through 3. One of my favorites says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, listen to this, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. So Jesus says, I'm leaving, I'm going somewhere, I'm going to get you, and I'm going to take you to be where I am. Matthew 16, verse 27, says, For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels. Listen, He's come with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. Okay? Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52, says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Love that scripture. The trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we'll all be changed. We know that we will receive resurrected bodies. Now listen to this, Hebrews 9, 28. It says, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a what? A second time, right? He came once, he's coming again. This is what Advent's about. Not to bear sin. He already did that on the cross, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. It's really hard if you read your Bible to make an argument that Jesus is not coming back. He's very clear that he is coming back to put an end to it all, that there is hope. Now, today's scripture is about the signs of the end of age. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's talking about the signs of the end of the age. What is all this going to look like? How are we going to know what's going to happen? In in verse uh, Matthew 24, 30, It says, then will appear the sign of the son of man in heaven and all the peoples on earth will mourn. Listen, it says we will all mourn. All the people will mourn when they see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now think about that verse a lot because you go, everybody's going to mourn. You think we'd be throwing a party, but the reason we'll be mourning is because there'll be a separation and not everybody's going to be with Jesus. That would actually be a very sad day when we realize the conviction that we were supposed to share the love of Christ with our neighbor and we hadn't done it. So it's very clear, one, there's going to be some sort of apocalyptic event that's going to take place, and this all comes to an end, and then Jesus is going to return. So listen to this, number two, here's the thing you got to realize from the Scripture today is that nobody knows when. So nobody knows when, Matthew 24, 36 says, but about the day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, listen, nor the Son, but only the Father. Nobody knows when Jesus is going to return, but a lot of people seem to think they know. Um, one guy, in particular, on uh, May the uh, 21st, 2011. And the reason I know this is because this is the day we got married, and I was actually sitting there going, "Gosh, what day did we get married?" <laughs> I was struggling. Sorry, It's like, "May t- May 21." You think I'd practice that one? Um, but the day we were going to get married, uh, there was a guy who made a prediction that he was that Jesus was coming back. And, um, and, and I, I remember his name was Harold Camping and, uh, and he was touring the country and he was spreading the word that, that, that Jesus was going to come back. And I was like, dear Lord, this is not the day. Um, and Gene's like, please come back, please come back. But, um, and I'm joking, but, uh, but, but like, I was like, okay, we're going to get married and Jesus is going to come back. Right. Um, there was another guy named Edgar Wisnitz that said Jesus was coming back in 1988 in fact, he wrote a book called 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1998 or 1988. Um, remember Y2K? Do y'all remember that? Remember Y2K? I remember if you're old enough. I remember sitting in a, in a, in a room on New Year's. We were waiting. It was like, man, it was going when, when to... When it turned, when, when the year turned, thought we were all going to die and all the you know, electronics were going to blow up or whatever. People make predictions about when Jesus is coming back. But, but the, the Bible is clear That it's on God's time and not our time. Y'all understand that? That God's got his own watch. Y'all understand me? He's got his own watch. He's not on our time on anything. Like, he's on God's time. That's important if you know when you follow God. God's got a watch and you got a watch. And we're on different watches sometimes. So, I will say that I do think we're getting closer to Jesus coming back. In fact, I think we're closer now than we've ever been. (laughs) Duh. Um, But I really do. I I mean, I, I think we're getting closer and closer to Jesus coming back. And I wish I would have studied Bible prophecy. They didn't teach that um, when I was in cemetery. Uh, they didn't teach that. They didn't teach about Bible prophecy and, and really about the signs of, of the end to come. And I don't, I don't know why nobody taught that. I guess everybody was scared once again. Um, but we need to teach about the Bible very clear. You read Revelation that, that like that there were all these prophecies in the Old Testament are fulfilled in the New Testament through Jesus. And we interpret those, and we also look for signs of the end of of the age. Jesus says that it'll be like birthing pains. Um, This is what he relates it to and says that it'll be like a a woman who's going into labor. And right now, I feel like, you know, I don't know, we're we're at around seven or eight months. And, um, you know, when our water breaks, like, it's going to be on. And I think people are going to be like, oh, my gosh, I wasn't expecting this. But the Bible's like clear that He's going to come when you're not expecting Him. Um, It says in Matthew 24, 37-39, there's kind of an analogy. It says, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, and up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came, and it took them away. That's how it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. Remember the story of Noah. It's really a very, very sad story. like. And I said, I've said this many times here, but it's like we, we paint Noah and the ark to be a children's story. Then we're like, oh, Noah and the ark. Let's paint a mural on the wall of Noah and, and, and all the animals going in. But it's really, it's a rated R story. I mean, you want to paint it accurately, like paint all the dead people floating in the water on the wall. It was God wiping out humanity other than these few people that got on the boat. And so Jesus is saying, he's like, look, it's like that. It's like... We talk about the end times, but nobody believes it's going to happen. Just like with Noah, it's like nobody believed it was going to rain. They're like, look at that fool out there building a boat. It hadn't rained in years. That fool's out there with a hammer and nails building a boat. They made fun of him. I'm sure they mocked him. And it's like people mock us now. We talk about the return of Jesus. They're like, oh, that's, a bunch of, that's just a bunch of metaphorical stuff in the Bible. That's not really going to happen. It's very clear in the Bible that it's going to take place. We just forget about it. It hadn't rained in forever. And, and I'm afraid the church has forgot about preaching about prophecy and the return of Jesus and judgment and wrath and, and, and hell. Revelation 20 is a very important chapter for you to study, if you want to study it sometime, about how all of this is going to work out. Revelation 20 says there'll be a thousand-year period Um, on on earth where Satan will be bound, if you read it. It's just, I think it's fascinating. And during that time, there'll be an opportunity for the church to flourish and and for people to commit their lives to Jesus. But at the end of the thousand-year reign, if you read Revelation 20, it says that Satan will be released, and then he'll be finally cast into hell, and there will be a judgment. And some people believe in what they call premillennialism, which means that Jesus will come back before all that happens. And some people believe in postmillennialism, that Jesus will come back after that happens. And Some people believe in amillennialism, which they're just like, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. Here's what I know. Jesus is coming back and, and, and he's going to make every wrong right. That's what I know, that he is coming back and he's going to make every wrong Right. That is what I'm sure about. And I hear people talk about pre-tribulation and post-tribulation. Y'all ever heard these terms? Y'all have heard, heard of Post Malone, but you had not heard of post-tribulation and pre-tribulation. This is sad. Like, if you study theology and listen to these things, there's also, like if you go back and look at um, Daniel 9, it's really interesting that there's, like, uh, there's a seven-year period that where uh, people believe that there's going to be a time in which um, we'll, we'll actually be, be raptured or taken to heaven before it happens. The pre-trib do and the post-trib believe that we'll, we'll, we'll be here after it happens. But, but anyway, the, the point of all this is that, listen, the Bible's clear. Whatever you believe about that, that Jesus is coming back and he's going to make every wrong right and that he is going to kick some tail and bound Satan up in hell. That's what the Bible is clear about. It's very, very clear about it. So listen to this. Number three. There will be a separation, okay? Now listen to this. Here's where we get our rapture language. There will be a separation. It says, verse 40 of Matthew 24, it says, two men will be in a field and one will be taken and the other left. And it says, two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other will be left. That's the separation. This is the notion of the rapture. One person's doing this, another person doing that, and all of a sudden somebody's gone. Just think about how fearful that would be, that you're there and somebody's suddenly there and, and then they'll be gone. It's not just Matthew that tells the story. Luke tells it like this. Listen, Luke says, "Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will be in the days of the Son of Man." This is Luke seventeen. People were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage up until the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. Listen, he relates to the days of Lot. He says it was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking and buying and selling and planning and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down and get them. Why? Because you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. Nobody's ever seen a hearse that had a U-Haul attached to the back carrying their stuff, right? Nobody's ever seen that. You can't take any of your stuff with you. Listen, it says, likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything because you can't take it with you. Remember Lot's wife? Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, listen to this, folks. Two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. That is crazy. Two people will be in the same bed. You imagine you wake up, your wife's going like, where's she at? Uh-oh. I mean, you know, that, that, this, is what, this is what the Scripture says. You read Matthew 24, it talks about the separation of sheep and goats. We've talked about this the past few weeks. There'll be a separation. He says that he'll put the, uh, the sheep on his, on his right and the goats on his left. And in other words, he, there's going to be a separation of good and evil. Now listen to this, hang with me. Matthew 24, 42 through 43 says, keep watch. Keep what? Oh man, come on y'all, keep what? Wow. Keep watch, right? That's the title of the sermon. You got to keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have not have let his house be broken into. I love that! Because it's like, man, if you knew when the thief was coming, you'd be ready, wouldn't you? If y'all knew a thief was coming on whatever date you want to pick, you'd be sitting there, a lot of y'all, because we're in the south, be sitting there with a shotgun in the corner waiting on them. Some of you call the police, you do whatever you need to do, but you'd be waiting. You'd have as many people as there could to handle your business. Now, the Bible says it's going to come like a thief in the night. we got to be ready for Jesus coming back. We've got to be ready for it. The enemy, I do believe this. I, see, I, I just really believe that the time that we're in, it's like the enemy's just sitting out in the woods, keeping watch on our homes, and he's just sitting there, and he's just watching. He knows everything that you're doing. He's watching people get showers. He's, he, he's peeping Tom. I mean, he's, you know he's there, and he's watching. He's seeing what you're doing, and we're not paying him any attention. We're going around like he doesn't exist, and he's in the woods. He's going to kick in the door, and he's going to rob us. We're going to be like, what happened? I didn't even know he was out there. Well, Jesus told us that he was. Jesus said to be ready and to be prepared. Oh man, number four, listen to this. This is it. Be ready. I'm going to emphasize it as we drive at home. Be ready. One thing is for certain. We got to be ready for his return. Matthew 24, 44. So you also must be ready. You must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. The Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him says to be ready, says to be ready, you gotta be ready, you gotta be ready, cause he's coming when you least expect him. He's not coming when we think he is. He's not coming Like, you know, when you're expecting everybody to come to your house and y'all have all set a date and everything's all prepared and ready and you got all your junk in the closet and you got the beds made and, you know, I walk into some of y'all's houses and I'm like, there ain't no way they keep it this clean all the time. There ain't no way. Y'all knew I was coming, right? I bet y'all I'm going to show up one day I'm going to start popping in like the old preachers used to do and just pop in. How y'all doing? I'm going to come on in um, and just see what it looks like, right? Man, don't come to our house unexpected, man. I'm just telling you, if you do, you're going to see a mess because, you know, if you're not ready, you're not ready. But, but we got to be ready. We got to prepare. Uh, you know, Jesus says, man, I'm coming, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming back, right? So we got to prepare our hearts. Well, how do we do that? How does the Bible say that we prepare our hearts? Well, we know this, we're all going to stand before Jesus one way or the other. Um, the one thing I know for sure is that everybody in here is going to die. Everybody's going to die. Everybody is going to die. It's so weird. Sometimes we're downtown. We were at the parade last night. It was horrible. Um, there were just so many people out there. It was just so crowded. And I was looking around. I was thinking, all these people are going to die. Um, I know that's, that's morbid. But I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, everybody's you know, playing trumpets and everybody's dancing around. I'm like, they're all going to die. Everybody's going to die. First time, going to die on my left and my right. We're all going to die. It's the, it's the truth. And, you know, we're living like we're not. We're thinking we're just going to keep on going. But, you know, you got a heart in your chest that's beating, and you got lungs inside you that are breathing. It's really amazing to think that God made that heartbeat to keep you alive. You know, the only difference between you and death is the fact that God is making that heartbeat. And the moment that heart stops, you're gone. you got to realize that. You are a ticking time bomb, and God is the only one keeping you alive. He really is. It's a miracle when you study the body. Not that I really have that much, but I'm just saying it's really a miracle when you think about that heart is pumping, and that's the one thing that's keeping you alive. You know, we are a walking miracle in ourselves, and I don't know how people don't believe in who God is, because I could never stand here and say, God is not real. When I look at the mirror, how good looking I am. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. No, when I look in the mirror and realize that that I'm a human being who has been on earth for 40-something years, and there's something inside of me that's pumping my blood to keep me alive. I mean, that's really amazing to think about that. And so, one of two things is going to happen one you're going to die and then you're going to stand before Jesus or two Jesus is going to come back before you die I'm praying for the second that he'll come back before I die. I don't have to deal with death life is a gift And you have a purpose. And if you don't know that and realize that you have a purpose, man, the Bible says that your purpose is to love other people. If you're not spending your time loving other people and loving God, you're missing out because that's what we're called to do. That's why we're here is to lift other people's spirits and encourage them and speak truth and love unto them and remind them of the good news of Jesus and remind them that God is the reason that they're alive. So we got to get ourselves spiritually ready. And you say, well, how do we do that? Well, That's why we're in this season of Advent, is we confess our sin. The sin is the one thing that separates us from God. And so the way that we rid ourselves of that sin is trusting in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. And so the Bible says that we confess our sin. He's faithful and just, and he will forgive us. So the last thing I'll tell you before we receive communion... And so I walked out on the porch the other night, take the dog out to go pee. Why well, didn't he say that? Take the dog out. And uh, I took the dog out to go to the bathroom. That's what I did. I really did. And so I took her out there, and, and I'm, I stand out in the yard, and, and I'm looking, and I'm waiting on her. I'm like, hurry up. It was cold. And, and I just stood there, and I looked up, and it was a clear night. And, and, and I looked up at the stars, and I went, God, man, I forget uh, how big it is. You know? Like I'm looking at the four walls. In our, in our home and all, you know, all the stuff I'm dealing with and cell phone and all the email and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and I look at the stars and it puts everything in perspective. Now, if you can't see the stars because you live in the city and you got a, a street light or whatever, go out in the country a little bit one night on a clear night and just look up at the stars and you will realize that there is a God. And that God loves you and that's hard to believe, but it's what the Bible tells us. And so when you come to receive communion today i ask you to come with a humble heart ask you to come confessing your sin which separates you from god and the blood and the body of jesus christ will cover that sin